So this is going to be a little different. Normally, I try and explain all the things about Yom Kippur. I'm not doing that tonight. I'm going to ask you, what is our motivation to observe this or any other high holy day in the Bible? Some people observe because they're Jewish. Other people observe because of their parents. Some people observe because this is what they've always done. Some people observe to receive atonement for their sins. Some people observe because their friends do. And some people observe and they have no clue why. My motivation to observe Yom Kippur and all the holy days is found, that are found in Leviticus 23, is number one, the reality of God in my life. That's my number one reason for being here tonight. My second reason is the reality of God's word and that authority in my life. In God and the Bible, I see the most amazing miracles. And I'm a product of one of those miracles. The fact that there are Jews living today in this world is a miracle. First of all, without a homeland for 2,000 years, really with no place to live wherever we lived, people tried to kill us eventually. And so the only thing that makes the Jewish people Jewish, it's not what the rabbis say, it's not what Israel says. The Jews who are Jews are Jews because of God and the Bible. That's the authority that makes somebody Jewish. But a second miracle is that Israel's a nation after 2,000 years. And a third miracle is that we will be observing the same appointed time that they celebrated over 3,500 years ago. I think that's a major miracle. I would hope that if somebody's not Jewish, they would still understand these miracles that I've just mentioned. God has woven a, a, a beautiful historical tapestry in his word. Picture a tapestry so large that you can only see one section at a time. However, you can walk from the beginning to the end and see the threads that go throughout all the, the tapestry. We can see, we can look back and see everything within its context. There are sections in the tapestry that are hard to understand. You look at it and you say, I'm not sure I get this. And there are many of them are going to happen in the future. One could ask, why didn't God just give us one, two, three, you know, this, do this, do this, do this, and don't do this. Why didn't God do that? We, we would, it'd be so much easier to know how to love him and how to love people around us and how to relate to circumstances. 
but he actually did give us 10 commandments and we didn't do so well with that. God has given us an instruction manual that he has to be studied, reviewed, memorized, and enjoyed so that we can apply his principles to our lives. One thread that is woven throughout the entire tapestry is that we are to love God as much as he loves us. So how much does he love us? In the first portion of the tapestry, it seems that we understand his love by being saved physically. Yet he teaches us there's also a spiritual salvation that requires blood. Blood was needed to receive atonement. Blood was needed to ratify a covenant. In the second portion of this tapestry, we understand his love by his willingness to save us spiritually, give us the gift of eternal life, promise us abundant life, and teach us that real love requires sacrifice. Often the second portion of the tapestry explains the first portion. This is true with Yom Kippur. We find an explanation of Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23 and Numbers 29 explained in Hebrews 9 and 10. So rather than explaining Yom Kippur, going through the Leviticus verses, I want to read Hebrews 9 and Hebrews 10 to you. I'd like you to read it with me. You can read it silently. And I just want the truth of God's word to be imprinted in your consciousness, in your heart, in your mind. Now, you might not understand every thought we're about to read, but if you open your heart and mind, the thread of God's tapestry that you will see is absolutely unmistakable. Unmistakable. So, Hebrews 9. Now, even the first one had regulations for worship in the earthly sanctuary, for a tent was prepared. In the outer part was the menorah, the table and the presentation of the bread. This is called the holy place. Beyond the second curtain was a dwelling called the holy of holies. It held a golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant completely covered with gold. In the ark was a golden jar holding the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it, cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But it is now, not now possible to speak in detail about these things. Now with these things prepared this way, the Kohanim, which are the priests, do continually enter into the outer tent while Completing the services. But in the inner, once a year, the Kohen Gadol, the high priest alone, and not without blood, which he offers for himself and for the un unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, makes clear that the way into the holies has not yet been revealed while the first tent is still standing. It is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, gifts and sacrifices are being offered that cannot make the worshiper perfect with respect to conscience. 
These relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until a time of setting things straight. So listen up here. But when the Messiah appeared as the high priest of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. He entered into the holies once for all, not by the blood of goats, calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant in order that those called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has taken place that redeems them from violations under the first covenant. For where there is a covenant, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a covenant is secured upon the basis of dead bodies, since it, is no, it has no strength as long as the one who made it lives. That is why not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the Torah, he took the blood of the calves and goats with the water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and he sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. Does that sound familiar, by the way? Yeah. And in the same way, he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry with blood. And nearly everything is purified in blood according to the Torah. And apart from the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the replicas of these heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Messiah did not enter into holies made with hands, counterparts of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in God's presence on our behalf. And he did not offer himself again and again as the high priest enters into the Holy of Holies year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have needed to suffer again and again from the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has been revealed once and for all at the close of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men to die once and after this, the judgment, so also Messiah was offered once to bear the sin of many. He will appear a second time, apart from sin, to those eagerly awaiting him for salvation. I'll read in a second Hebrews 10. Just let me say one or two words. When you listen to scripture just read, I believe 
it gives you insight oftentimes that you wouldn't have if you read it yourself quietly. I pray once again that as I read this, you'll, you'll see pictures in your mind of what's going on. And it, it will go deep into your spirit and you'll have such confidence because that's what this should give you. This should give you encouragement that the Lord has promised amazing things to us. Hebrews 10. The Torah has a shadow of the good things to come, not the form itself of the realities. For this reason, it can never, by means of the same sacrifices they offer constantly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers cleansed once and for all would no longer have consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices is a reminder of sins year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So when Messiah comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, meaning the Lord, but a body you, the Lord, prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sin offerings you do, did not delight. Then I said, Behold, I come to do your will, O God, in the scroll in the book it is written of me. After saying above sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, you do not desire, nor did you delight in them those which are offered according to Torah, then he said, Behold, I come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By his will we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Messiah Yeshua once for all. Indeed, every Kohen stands day by day serving the, and offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But on the other hand, when this one offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for, from then on until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he was perfected forever, those being made holy. The Ruach HaKodesh also testifies to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will cut with them after those days, says Adonai, I will put my Torah upon their hearts and upon their minds I will write it. And then he says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Now when there is removal of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have boldness to enter into the holies by the blood of Yeshua. He inaugurated a new and living way for us through the curtain that is his flesh. We also have a Kohen Gadol over God's household. So let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and body washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the unwavering confession of hope. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. And do not neglect our own meetings, as it is the habit of some, 
but encourage one another and all the more so as you see the day approaching. For if we keep on sinning willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only a terrifying expectation of judgment and a fury of fire about to devour the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the Torah of Moses dies without compassion on the word of two or three witnesses. How much more severe do you think the punishment will be for the one who has trampled Ben Elohim underfoot and has regarded as unholy the blood of the covenant by which he was made holy and has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know the one who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, Adonai will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to abuses and afflictions, and other times you became partners with those who were treated this way. For you suffered, along with the prisoners, and joyfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you have for yourselves a better and lasting possession. Therefore, do not lose your boldness, which has great reward, for you need perseverance so that you, uh, so after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet in a little while, the coming one will come and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by immunah, by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul takes no pleasure in him. But we are not among the timid ones on the path to destruction, but among the faithful ones on the path to, pers uh, to, to the preservation of the soul. One verse in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of realities not seen. We have the evidence of realities that the world does not see. We need to be bold. We need to declare our faith. We need to understand Yom Kippur is explained beautifully in Hebrews 9 and 10, which we just read, and it's capsulated in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So as I close, let me just mention our Hebrew scriptures direct us to Yeshua. First of all, we are all sinners before God. Ecclesiastes 7.20 Sin separates us from God. Isaiah 59.2 We must repent. Nehemiah 9.28. God forgives and redeems us through his great love. Isaiah 53.6. Yeshua took our sins <coughs> upon himself. Isaiah 53.11 and 12. The righteous one. My servant will make many righteous and he will bear their iniquities. He poured out his soul to death 
and was counted with transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and interceded for transgressors. Lord, I pray that as we look to you, Lord, you will touch our hearts. And Lord, as we pray in the name of Yeshua, we picture you interceding to the Father for us. Because you are looking at our heart. And we trust and believe in your word. We trust and believe as Yeshua is the word made flesh. We trust and believe, Lord. And so we are here to worship you. We're here to magnify you. We're here to sing your praises. We're here to love you with our whole heart, soul, and mind. And we thank you for the threads of your tapestry which are woven from Genesis to Revelation. We're thankful, Lord, for your love which has been demonstrated for us so that we can love like you love. We thank you for the Mishpocha, the family of God. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory in the name of Yeshua. Amen.